Hey everyone, welcome to our new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. This is Steven. This is Dakota. And tonight we're going to do something a little different. We're not going to review a new movie that's in theaters, but we are going to talk about some movies that we love that we feel like a lot of other people kind of not love. I hate. I don't. I don't know if I'd always say hate. Sometimes maybe it's just like they dislike it immensely. But in some cases, I think the movies you talk about, a lot of people maybe just hate them too. Uh, some of the ones on my list, I know, were generally disliked by critics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too. <laughs> like I think I can't think of a single good review i saw for one of them and it was pretty recent yeah if rotten tomatoes were a big deal and the three movies i have were were out they'd probably all be definitely under 50 (laughs) percent yeah i know one of uh one of the movies on my list was actually called out for being uh for being racist and sexist (laughs) so yeah yeah that's a you know it's a good one (laughs) they don't make movies like that anymore ladies and gents miss those days miss those coke fueled days (laughs) Back when uh, men were men and women were women. And, and women were objects. <laughs> oh, man. We are so horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those of you who aren't getting it, don't freak out. We're being facetious. It's all fun and games. We don't condone any of those things. <laughs> except anyway. The, except the Coke using. I know. <laughs> I drink. Hey, 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 some good movies were made in those days. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God life okay with that we're gonna get we're just gonna get right into it um we're apparently already fueled ourselves here with something all right here's <laughs> with your best shot steven and so we're, we're each gonna just give kind of three like we've done kind of typically with these in the past where we kind of pick three or five or whatever we're doing three so the first one i'm throwing out there i'm just gonna go ahead and get the hate ball rolling with paul blart mall cop ah uh, yes I, I i'm just gonna go ahead and and first, I just lay out there. I lo- I I can't I can't not like Kevin James. I don't know. It just seems like whatever he's in, I'm okay with him. A lot of people, every time they see his face, they want to just like. It seems like they just want to shoot him <laughs> or stab him or something. People get very violent when they see Kevin James. I don't know what it is. I guess it's, he just has a face that just sends people into yeah, a rage. I don't know. I just I'm okay with him. I didn't mind King of Queens, uh, but. I just feel like as far as Kevin James is getting to be Kevin James in a movie, uh, Paul Blart is his is his pinnacle of that. Um, it's dumb, but it's kind of an endearing dumb. Yeah, it's his magnum opus, it's, people. It kind of is his magnum opus. Yeah, and it was one of those movies where it didn't do terribly great in theaters, and I think the reason it got a sequel was that the DVD sales – uh, kind of picked up and gave it steam again, which which happens sometimes with uh, especially comedies, uh, where it's like they don't necessarily do the hottest in theaters, but then their DVD sales are what kind of save them, and then the studios are kind of like, well, God, let's do another one. People are people are still talking about it, and people are still, you know, you know, renting it or buying it or things like that, you know, and and so. Kind of the kind of similar thing happened where I'm surprised we haven't gotten an Elf sequel because <laughs> Elf was one where it did okay in theaters, but then it really picked up when DVDs when the DVD came out. Uh, from what I heard, this is just me throwing this out there. Apparently, Will Ferrell thinks that everything was said with the first one. Well, it could be. And I think he, he just doesn't want to do it again. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but, yeah, but Paul Blart, uh, really, oh, it's very simple. He's playing just the typical schmuck who's a single dad with a daughter who's a security guard at a mall, and he absolutely loves his job, and you could argue takes it a little too seriously, but but they do set up there's a justification that the reason he takes it seriously is that he wants to be an actual police officer but keeps failing (laughs) um, in the training process, uh, qualifying process. Not necessarily because he's fat. He has. They show him have the athletic ability. They had to make it something dumber than that. Uh, he's hypoglycemic, <laughs> where he just passes out from lack of sugar in his blood. And so, yeah, it's kind of silly, obviously. But uh, where where this movie kind of picks up the steam and becomes kind of a really ridiculous uh, comedic PG level diehard 
it kind of becomes like a PG level diehard in a mall is that uh, uh, these burglars set up this whole scheme to steal all the credit card transactions that happened on Black Friday shopping. So, like, you know, the mall has all the big Black Friday shopping and they steal all the numbers to get all the money through the credit card machines. And that's kind of the thing where he realizes this is going and tries to stop him. And to make it even more ridiculous, they have the, a lot of the robbers be like parkour people and skateboard BMX people. <laughs> so they're like flying off things. And and I don't know. I, I watch this movie not often, not frequently, but here and there because I do own it, <laughs> of course. And uh, uh, just it's just fun every time i watch it i i just find it very enjoyable so uh that's my first one paul blart mall cop and i would say uh if you haven't watched this because people just told you it's stupid i would say maybe give it a shot if you don't if you're kind of in for just like a dumb comedy so dakota what do you got all right i'm gonna start this list off strong <laughs> keep that hate ball <laughs> rolling baby this movie when it came out was so just universally hated it <laughs> bombed so hard in the box office that it's it's funny that i had a film on my list but then i realized i reviewed it already and that was terminator genesis i guess this one tops terminator genesis <laughs> in both uh just the bomb they they let off when it came out and just the hate the hateability this movie is basically a big fart, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, people don't like it. I am referring to King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Uh, this came out literally uh, within the last year. Um, and really, there wasn't a lot of buildup to this. Like there probably should have maybe have been. Because the movie, uh, I remember I was seeing trailers for it. Uh, and the trailers weren't really telling you anything other than the fact that, oh, it's a King Arthur movie and it has Charlie Hunman in it. Uh, you know, some people's Christian Grey, I guess, but <laughs> let's not go there. Yeah, let's let's stay away from that. Uh, at Jude Law, uh, Digimon Hansu is in this, Eric Bana, um, kind of some big names attached to this movie. And apparently, I believe it was Warner Brothers who put this out. Yeah, I think it is. Um, spent so much money um, on marketing trying to get this up, but I barely remember seeing anything. I don't remember hardly any marketing. Yeah, there was uh, a trailer they put out like a few months before the movie. Yeah. But it was so just, just like random, the most random moments from the movie. Yeah, the trailer did not help me gain any excitement yeah. for wanting to see it at all. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, um, you know, I I kind of missed it in theaters. It came out, I believe, in the summer? Yeah, it was a summer movie. I believe yeah. it was even a May movie. Yeah. So it kind of came. Uh, people just tore this movie apart, critic-wise. They just completely lambasted the thing. And, you know, a couple months go by, it comes out on... Comes out on uh, DVD, and guess who has a free rental? <laughs> and it was. And as Dakota has always let you know, he likes to use his free rental on ones that are junk <laughs> or that he thinks are going to be junk. <laughs> and you know there was there was no good options in the box that night. People, I'm like, well, might as well give this a whirl. So I took it, I got it, brought it home, watched it, and I was actually pretty amazed. This movie was made by Guy Ritchie, um, who, honestly, I think he's very kind of hit or miss. He either misses, misses really, really, really when badly. When he misses, it's like a full-on <laughs> shooting in the other direction miss. But when he's spot on, it's like, you're just like, oh, man, that was a really good movie. I feel like, for me, this is just me personally, I feel like you want Guy Ritchie hits the mark it's still like just somewhere on the target it's not necessarily a bullseye <laughs> oh man i guess it's been a while since he's had like a big a big hit yeah yeah but yeah this movie uh you know just kind of some kind of backstory here 
I have always been just a huge uh, kind of fan of the King Arthur mythos. This idea of putting on this armor and charging at another man and possibly killing that man has always excited me since I was just a wee boy. A wee lass. Don't, don't know why. It just has. Like, yeah. Why did I have to miss out on that? I just got, like, born in the 80s with this technology and crap. Oh, man. Why couldn't I have been bored where there was, you died from gangrene and all those fun things? That's right. Every every meal was some porridge and some bread, and you loved it. But uh, <laughs> kind of back to this movie. Um, this is actually, for a movie that bombed so bad... Uh, in my opinion, a really well-made one. Uh, Jude Law does a really good job playing the villain of the movie. Um, there's kind of a really cool scene that opens up the film where you're uh, these characters are on top of these giant friggin' elephants and they're charging at this castle. Uh, and the kind of more fantastical elements of the movie... I thought were pretty pretty awesome. Uh, you find this, I think it's supposed to be a demon, kind of floating under this castle in some water, and uh, you find out she grants wishes, and one of the wishes is this kind of giant, evil-looking, satanic dude comes out and kills you with an axe, no less. That Seems legit. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be afraid. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Oh man, I'd I'd know the end was coming if he showed up. Like, yep, here it is—the sweet release of death. But uh, yeah, there's just uh, you know the the qualms I kind of have about the story. Uh, they, it's kind of drug on a little too much, and this movie ends in a way that. E- it just implies that there's another one coming, which this movie bombs so hard. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a King Arthur movie for the next 20 years. Um, those are my well, own... anymore. They they only like to wait five or six years to reboot. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I would I would definitely I, I have been recommending this movie to people. Uh, I haven't had anyone really come back and be like, yeah, that was a garbage movie. Like, even even people I know who I've recommended it to have liked it. But, you know, it's just, you know, I feel like critics were unfairly harsh to this movie, and I just don't understand that. But, yeah, that's the first one on my list. Okay, so that was uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Came out last uh, last summer, right? Yes. Yeah. So Very recent. My next one is not so recent. I believe it was like, uh, I don't know, 2008, I want to say. This next movie I'm talking about came out, uh, yeah, 2008. And it was the movie uh, Get Smart, the uh, Steve Carell and Hathaway 2008 film uh, that also, like I said, Dwayne Johnson and... Who was the bad guy? Terrence Stamp. Let's remember who played yeah. the villain. Uh, I This was, yeah, again, it was one that I think it was like mediocre at best as far as reception, and that's uh, critics and audiences where it was like kind of in that halvesy thing where it wasn't, it was just kind of there and uh, didn't do well. Uh, ironically, I think one of the higher critic reviews I've ever seen was Roger Ebert gave it a pretty high review uh, Get Smart when it came really? out that he thought it was uh, you know that he I mean he admitted that it was silly but that you know it it was funny and looked good and you know kind of things like that where he still gave it a high grade and that he thought everyone was cast well as Carell was a good Maxwell Smart and Hathaway did well playing Agent 99 all those types of things, and so, yeah. But it, but overall, though, it was just kind of like Leo was like in that, like I said, like kind of fifty-fifty. But I, I thought this movie was just. I still do. I still find this movie very funny and enjoyable. Uh, and maybe part of it is that I. Well, this could. I guess now that I say this, this could make me hate this movie. I, I like the old TV show, a lot. I, I, 
I enjoy that. Um, and, I, and I suppose maybe some people who are like real purists, the old TV show would make them maybe hate this, that they like tried to modernize it the way they did. But, but I found it uh fun and a cool way to kind of, to modernize it. And I thought as far as who, who could play Maxwell smart, I thought uh, Steve Carell was a great choice for that. I thought he pulled it off. Well, kind of being that Maxwell smart is an interesting character in that he's an idiot but he also does get himself out of certain situations <laughs> and uh and that's how Steve Krill I thought he pulled it off well in this in this movie where he was an idiot that caused a lot of problems like Don Adams did in the old TV show but at the same time was still able to fight or do different spy skills at times that worked out and so I don't know I just found it found it really fun and and uh it was cool to see uh Alan Arkin played the chief in this and it was it was I thought he was really funny playing the chief and uh they had uh James Caan as the president and, and this was during the like near the end of the George W Bush years and they kind of had James Caan I feel like kind of riff maybe George W Bush a little bit and just kind of how he acted but but it was just it was just kind of fun what they did with it and and it just felt like everybody's having a lot of fun being in the movie too, and uh, yeah, I would say that like if this if uh, this is another one where if you've never checked it out, um, this is uh, this is a uh, just kind of a fun watch. Uh, it doesn't r- really you know change the way you look at movies or anything, but it, another one is just kind of a fun watch, and uh, it's just kind of cool to see some of these people who have now gone on to do more serious roles like you know Hathaway's kind of started dipping that and then even Steve Carell you know to to most people he's either Michael Scott who is now acting in all these big movies but this was kind of in that time where he was still kind of in that limbo of starting to transition out of the office he was starting to get to that point a little bit at the you know he was still in the office at this point but when his movie career was starting to be more of a thing but he wasn't quite like the big, a bigger movie actor like he is now, and so it's kind of cool to see him in this in this phase, kind of showing his chops in a movie like this, and and so just kind of, I think it uh, deserves a little more attention um, than it gets, especially if you're a fan of just like spy spoof stuff, too, things like that. You know, I got a question. Yeah. Okay, I remember The Rock is in this movie. Yes. But I can't really remember anything he did other than the scene with the stapler. Was it the stapler? <laughs> yeah, he slams this guy yeah. in the head with a stapler. That was funny. Uh, that's all I can remember about The Rock. Yeah, but. yeah. And he he's kind of like he's in it at the get go, and and he's kind of the agent that Max looks up to because he's like the really cool like superstar agent, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he's big and muscular, obviously, because he's Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Uh, but then he kind of. His role kind of ends up. There's like a middle part where he's not involved, and he kind of comes back into play near the end or whatever. Because this was kind of before The Rock always had to be a star in the movie, and so that's kind of another interesting thing about this movie too is that is that The Rock's in it, but he's not like the star. Whereas now he's always like the star. Yeah, and so that's kind of cool to see too, or kind of interesting to see um, him taking like this kind of supporting role. So yeah, and that so that makes it kind of fun too, is just kind of seeing this this between time for some of these some of these actors in this movie too so um but yeah i would say definitely give it a watch i haven't watched it super recently but other than maybe like a few little things it would it would still hold up as far as like technology there's not really any references that dated or music or anything so um still easily watchable so yeah that's my it's my next one that I really like that seems like just not overall real loved. So, Dakota, what's your what's your next one? All right, friends, travel back with me to the year of 1990. <laughs> Do the Wayne's World. Ah, uh, 1990, what a great year. Was it? I don't know. I was <laughs> I was just a small child at this point. Uh, yeah. My my only care was Legos and Play-Doh. Mm. 
And macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. Mine was, yeah. Yeah, well, but mac and cheese would have been on my list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, that was the year. One of the Loving gr- my big wheel. That <laughs> yeah. <would have> been- <laughs> that was the year. One of the greatest sequels to any movie to ever come out. I'm referring, of course, to Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> hey, Gremlins 2, the new batch. Probably the only person to ever admit to say that this is one of the greatest sequels of all time. <laughs> only because I feel like it outdoes the original in so many ways. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways it does. Yes. Hey, any movie that has Tony Robbins as a talking little monster that's very eloquent is going to be up there, man. Going to be up there. And this is like one of the only movies Leonard Malton is in. <laughs> yeah. And he's bashing the first one in it. Yeah. Well, do you know the joke behind that? Yeah. I do. Like how he's friends with the director and he was hard on the first one. Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Can I kill you in my sequel? (laughs) That's so great. And hey, at least he was nice enough to go with it. Heck yeah. Uh, Anyway, Gremlins. Great movie. I think we talked about it a few times on the show. I'm sorry, on the cast. The podcast. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, some of you might be even saying to yourselves, they made a sequel to Gremlins? Because I've gotten that reaction out of a few people. It is weird how some people don't know this movie exists. Yeah, and I think it's just due to the fact that TNT for a while was airing this like crazy, and then they just stopped, and then they've never aired it again. Um, I don't know what channel would have even shown it if we got any big TV watchers out there. But... uh this movie kind of picks up basically where uh, a few years after the events of the first one, um, you find uh, you find the main character has uh, moved to the big city of New York, and uh, that'd be Billy Peltzer, and he brought his he brought his main gal Phoebe, uh, Kate along. She was also in the first one. I don't think they were dating in the first one. I think one of them had a crush on the other. You can never tell who, um, but they're basically living their life. Uh, they're engaged. Um, then the company they work for, uh, kind of apparently starts this really aggressive, aggressive, um, construction project in Chinatown and through some weird circuit, uh, series of events, Mogwai ends up in the clutches of these scientists that also work for the same company that Billy's working at. Yeah, apparently this this company has its fingers in many pies. And he's taken to this lab, and he's experimented on. And basically, uh, water spilled on him, and, you know, there's more evil, little evil Mogwai. This time they're black and white. Instead of uh, brown and white like they were in the first one. And then hijinks kind of just ensue. And a lot of gruesome death. <laughs> um, I watched this. I finally got this on Blu-ray a few months ago. And I watched it. And I was a little shocked at how violent this movie is. <laughs> is it PG-13 or R? I think it's PG-13. I think I think it is. I don't think they made it. This all. is back in the '90s, though, where you get a get away with a lot. It wasn't before. well, and it wasn't all like CGI, so it was like practical. <laughs> yeah, you could you could like shoot like three people in your movie, <laughs> and as long as there was like very little blood, it's like yeah, it's still PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, and and you could show one set of bare breasts. I think was, and you could use I think the f I think the f word once, but that's still a thing. You go over once. It your movie becomes our yeah yeah it, it, the, the whole breast <laughs> f word thing has always been weird to me but anyway <laughs> yeah the 90s were a weird time yeah people. what's interesting about gremlins too is how it goes as they say nowadays very meta yes, yes. uh you know like it's it's like aware that it is a movie throughout throughout and it, so it makes it kind of a kind of strange and in a way, very, very much more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and oddly enough, this is where things get really crazy. John Glover, who's been at various things, he was uh, Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville. 
Uh, he's in just so many things I can't list them. He actually plays a real estate developer that was inspired by Donald Trump. You find out all these characters are working in this skyscraper and it's owned by uh, Donald Glover's character. And this is where the main action of the story happens. And they basically all get stuck in there. In this uh, uh, building with all these gremlins. And for me, uh, the thing I loved about this movie is not only did it did it mingle the gremlins uh with Christopher Lee, you know, all these other other great actors. <laughs> uh there's even a Batman reference in this movie, but they just go crazy with the gremlins because the gremlins get their hands on these weird uh I don't want to call them potions, but these chemicals But they're potions. <laughs> <laughs> these chemicals that are derived from like a bat, a spider, uh just all these things and they take them and then it transforms them, and it's a little freaky. Actually, it's a lot of freaky, really. And just makes the movie that much more intense. And, yeah, I watched this with my girlfriend, and she it got to the point where she gathered up her blanket and kind of just, just, like, wrapped it around her to the point where she could barely see the screen just in case anything crazy happened. But I was <laughs> loving it. um yeah definitely definitely a great movie oddly enough i don't remember all the murder um (laughs) yeah not sure why that is either Yeah, that's kind of weird you don't remember all the murder that's basically what they do (laughs) oh go all right steven enough of my rambling about the greatest sequel of all time (laughs) oh man just Uh, kidding that's that's terminator 2 guys sorry I, I, I this so we're going into our number ones now, and and I couldn't think of a better number one than a movie that I hold in probably way higher esteem than the movie deserves or even attempted to be. Yet I just find this movie so incredibly entertaining and amazing, even and and even endearing in its bizarreness. <laughs> Is it Caddyshack 2? It is not Caddyshack 2. Oh, nuts. The true greatest sequel ever made. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, I am, of course, referring to the movie. It came out in the year 1999, a movie where every great game-changing movie came out in. There were a lot of yeah. game-changing movies came out that year, and this was just one of them. It was a movie that should have come out in 1998, actually, but due to test screenings, making it being called, and I quote, unwatchable. <laughs> oh, wow. It was reshot by a different director, rescored with a new composer, and it, it is rumored to be the biggest flop, but it's not one of the biggest like budget flops, what they spent on the movie, what it made. But all of these things are leading to me saying that my movie is The 13th Warrior. Ah, yes. And some of you, like Dakota, with Gremlins 2, are probably going, what <laughs> in the world is The 13th Warrior? There's a movie called The 13th Warrior. Yes. Yes, there is. It was a crazy action movie of sorts that, like I said, uh, was based on Michael Crichton's book, Eaters of the Dead, which Michael Crichton basically took someone who actually existed, a Muslim man who kind of went around and was kind of a he wasn't really an explorer he was more of like uh a guy who just traveled and then journaled his experiences traveling a muslim man uh he basically took that guy and then made up his own history for how he interacted with these vikings and ended up going on an adventure with them where they had to kill or go after what help this village get rid of this monster problem <laughs> they were having and so he he through through a series of circumstances ends up being their 13th warrior these 12 vikings volunteer to go and help this village who are battling this weird monster issue like these these creatures are attacking our village and we can't stop them we need warriors to come help us so these vikings all kind of northmen all kind of volunteer but then 
through some witches kind of prophecy <laughs> casting of dice thing. She goes, there must be a 13th who's an outsider type thing. And he's like, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover type thing. But he still ends up going. And as we like to say, hijinks ensue. Uh, but here's where this movie gets crazy. It stars Antonio Banderas, <laughs> a man who is Spaniard, and he's playing an Iraqi Muslim in this movie. <laughs> that right there is like, what <laughs> is happening? But you you kind of look past it. Yeah. You're kind of like, whatever, let's go for it. Uh, and it, and, uh, and then it stars all these other guys that you've really never heard of that play the Norsemen, except I think one of them is like Tony Curran, who's kind of in stuff now. But otherwise it's like Omar Sharif has a little role, but he's not one of the Northmen because he's too old. But all the Northmen are like guys that like maybe you recognize their faces, but you probably don't. And, uh, and then, so it just, you just kind of follow their adventure to figure out where these creatures are coming from, what they are. And how they're going to stop them. And so it ends up being this kind of just crazy, weird Viking time set adventure. Now, here's the thing that's crazy about this movie. Like I said, so John McTiernan, the director of Die Hard, Predator, uh, what else has he done big? Pretty much every popular action movie you could think of except The Matrix. Really. Yeah, he did a lot of the 80s action movies that people love. Like John McTiernan did, you know, a chunk of them. He did this movie, and he did the version that was considered unwatchable. So Michael Crichton, the author of the book, who had previously directed a movie, I think he directed his own Andromeda, Andromeda Strain movie from the 70s or something. Yeah, He came in and did reshoots, and then threw out the score that everybody hated, the musical score that Graham Revel did, and had Jerry Goldsmith do the new score, which I like the music in this movie, but I like Jerry Goldsmith. So and that, so I would say maybe that did help. And they kind of just reshot it and made it work so where it became a 99 release instead of a 98 release. You know. Um, and then they just changed a few other key things to kind of tighten up the movie a little bit. So uh, just... I. I don't know what else to say about this movie, except if you don't mind, like, crazy, like, sword violence, <laughs> this movie is nuts and kind of sweet. You know, I'm just going to throw some random stuff out there. I also really like this movie, so I guess, I don't know, we're, we're double-teaming this movie here. Um, yeah, some, some things that I remember about it, um, when I found out that uh, he... Sorry, when John McTiernan's cut apparently wasn't up to snuff and that uh, Michael Crichton had kind of come in and did this, like, I was actually a little shocked because there are so many tropes in this movie from 80s, 80s, 90 action flicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, the, the kind of choppy, kind of, like, uneven cuts, like, where you see a guy, like, falling forward and the next thing you know, he's, like, he's, like, 10 feet away hitting the ground just covered in blood. Yeah, um, stuff like that. Um, just kind of the way the fight scenes were filmed, you could tell that was definitely John McTiernan. Um, and it 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 really makes me wish they would just release the the Tiernan version. I think everybody's just kind of forgotten about this, but that's why I want to bring attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's what's interesting is basically what Michael Crichton was doing with the book was it was like it was kind of his version of the Beowulf story and they just kind of tweaked it a little bit where i cuz they call instead of Beowulf the main viking guy is Bolvi they call him so it's kind of a play on Beowulf and then instead of the Grendel it's the Wendel it's kind of the creature yeah and there's it's... kind of like all these kind of like play it's kind of a play on the bay and maybe that's why i like it because i've always been intrigued by the beowulf epic yeah and so maybe that's where i i find my intrigue in this movie yeah even uh king rothgar and his, yeah uh, his big imposing uh castle palace is kind of referenced in the book from what i remember yeah the the, the one of the other main differences between 
the movie and the book is that there's parts in the book that get uh, the main uh, Muslim, Ibn Falad, or however you say his name, he kind of takes advantage of a lot of women, <laughs> and so do the Vikings in the book. And in the movie, they just kind of disregard that. And I think that was a smart move because I think that would make him seem a little more harder to be kind of like the hero you're rooting yeah. for if he's always just like grabbing women and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. It just like, and, and again, this movie didn't flop as bad as people think. There were certain numbers that got a little escalated. It did. It was a flop, but it wasn't like the biggest flop ever. Like it kind of gets made out to be. And uh, like I said, it's kind of it's kind of amazing when you actually watch it. Gets to the end, you're like, that was still kind of a fun adventure movie. Yeah, it's. Uh, I always kind of think back to the trailer. I remember seeing the trailer on like you know you bought a movie, you bring it home, yep, pop it in the VCR, and the trailer would start playing. Um, I remember the trailer and just it looked the trailer is was so different from what was actually in the movie. Sure. It makes me believe that it was based off of whatever John McTiernan had thrown in the movie. I have a feeling that, if as far as your McTiernan th- cut thing, I have a feeling the McTiernan cut stuck a little closer to certain things in the book. Maybe. Yeah, like uh, the main character kind of being a little bit of a coward. Yeah, like, and he's still like a coward who learns in the movie, but he's a little more apt, apt in the at things in the movie in the end, but, uh, I just have a feeling that maybe because the 13th warrior, the, the, the movie that you can see is very brisk. Like, it's not like it's short necessarily. It's not long, but it's not like super short either. But I just wonder if the McTiernan version was like longer too, you know, just like Phil just had more than it needed to from the book, you know? Yeah. And so maybe that was part of what, Crichton did was he came in and was like okay these screenings are going terrible I'm just gonna have to like make a quicker adventure cut of this you know and so and it still kind of works I think uh, the book kind of gets into a lot of details that the movie didn't necessarily need for what the movie ended up being but like you said it would be interesting to see what McTiernan did just because McTiernan is kind of a a lot of director for what he did with like like we said with Predator and with Die Hard and and so it would, it would be slightly fascinating to see what yeah. that was if it even exists anymore who knows I'm sure they got it in a vault somewhere <laughs> Antonio Banderas bought all the copies and has them just in case there's like he probably has hope that somebody will care again yeah it's <laughs> well the weirdest things you know um sometimes people don't think that Uh, These movie studios keep stuff around. And then, you know, Wonder Woman comes out and all of a sudden Joss Whedon's script is uh, leaked online. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that was a happy little accident. Yeah, happy little accident. (laughs) And then people read the script and are like, wow, that was actually really bad. Thank God. Thank God we got this movie instead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But, yeah, that's, that's just one I have to throw out there in times like this where it's like, I just like I said, I just love a good adventure movie, and this is just always one I think of. So that's Thirteenth Warrior. It's my number one. Dakota, let's go over though. And what's your what's your last movie that you just love that is kind of lost and or hated? Oh man, this one I don't know. FX kind of, as I recall, FX showed the crap out of this a while back. Uh, my number one is SWAT. <laughs> One hundred million dollars. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> I always think of that too, because the trailer always like focused on that. Uh, that who was that guy? He was like some Spanish dude. Oliver Martinez, I believe. Yeah, I think his claim to fame was he was the guy in um, crap. The Richard Gere movie where the wife is cheating on him, and he handles it badly. Oh, is he in that Unfaithful? Yes. Wow, okay. that was such a hard word to remember. But it shouldn't <laughs> the have been. The movie where she's unfaithful. <laughs> What's that movie called? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he, he uh, sure. This movie had what was at the time, even to this day, if this cast was like headlining a movie, 
It'd be big news. Yeah, this kind of had like they were a lot of them were still up and comers at the time, except for uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah, we got Sam Jackson, Colin Farrell, Michelle Rodriguez, LL Cool J. <laughs> okay, I forgot that he was in this. <laughs> and a very young and dashing Jeremy Renner. I think this was actually the first movie I saw him in. This is the first movie I remember him in. Uh, I remember seeing him in. Um, he might have been in stuff before this, but yeah, this is the first movie where I was like, Who's that guy? Man, I hate him. Because he's pretty hateable in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh, he really goes the extra mile to make you want to punch him in the face. Um, you know, this movie, I will say this, and it's the only thing me and the critics will probably agree on. There's no story to this. Nope. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's about a, uh, I believe, a sharp... Sh- no, uh kind of like a hostage rescue guy uh him and his partner uh the two uh the main guy is of course played by uh colin farrell everyone's favorite actor at the moment <laughs> and uh jeremy renner's his partner the kind of hot-headed brash one uh there's a hostage situation they go in and try to uh try to basically remove the bad guys from the equation and stuff goes completely sideways as it does um the two get into quite a bit of trouble uh colin farrell's character of course uh is truthful about what happened uh jeremy renner's character is then fired from the police then starts his life just kind of spirals out of control, but we find out about that later. So Colin Farrell kind of has a bad reputation, and then in comes Samuel Jackson's character, and this is the coolest nickname name of any character I think ever. <laughs> Sergeant Hondo Harrelson. <laughs> Sergeant Hondo Harrelson, yeah. Doesn't get more American than that, boys <laughs> It's and girls. pretty American, especially for an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, you find out that he's uh, he's starting a uh, a SWAT team, and he only wants the best. And Colin Farrell just happens to be that best, even though he's he's kind of grumpy in in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> he is. He tries to be. His character's so dour. Yeah, uh, I don't get it. It's like maybe Henry Cavill studied his. This movie before starting Man of Steel. Like, how do I always just be, like, just grumpy for no reason? How do I frown so hard, like, I just suck the happiness out of the room? (laughs) All right, it's enough Henry Cavill bashing. (laughs) But uh, he's joined by a few other characters. Uh, Michelle Michelle Rodriguez's character is... uh, Playing a tough girl again, of course. Oh, doesn't she always? <laughs> That's what I said. Again, of course. I want to see a vulnerable Michelle Rodriguez. Where are we going to get that? I don't know if she's able to make that face. Oh, man. She, her face is always like pouty, like pursed lips. <laughs> uh, Michelle Rodriguez is one of those members. So is Al Cool J. And, uh, you know, I basically remember this movie. And this is probably, this probably goes into why critics hate it. It was a little too macho. I remember, uh, Sergeant Hondo Harrelson, one of his taglines is, they only roll in the movies. You do that in real life, you end up dead. <laughs> or something along those lines. I know. That was, I think, this movie is like, it's just like, yeah, cops. Cops <laughs> with guns. You know, and it's just like, cops with guns is not a thing people like to talk about now too much. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I, I still don't understand why people deem this racist and sexist. Yeah, granted, there's a lot of, lot of machismo in here, but... I don't think any 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 less or more than say like Predator. Actually there's way more machismo in Predator. <laughs> way so more, more a lot more testosterone in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, SWAT is just kinda I think it was just another case of just it was just such a cheesy action flick. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was hard for people to really like latch on to it. Yeah, I don't think this movie would ever get made now or possibly in the future. What's funny is this has had, what, like two or three straight-to-DVD, like, they're not really, like, sequels, but they're, like, 
Yes, yeah, they're, like, they're like SWAT movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my, my cousin was... Uh, you find out one character is like the cousin of the guy from the first. Yeah, there's something. like really like loose connections or something, but it's like yeah, my mother's brother's <laughs> sister's cousin was on that team. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, just kind of funny how it it helped that straight to DVD uh movie work. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm trying to I'm gonna hold on. Let me see who directed this. It's okay. I don't know if it was anyone of note. No, it was directed by Clark Johnson. Clark Johnson. And this was, he only did one more like movie after this. Otherwise, all he directs is like TV show episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, you gain a lot of, I mean, you gain a lot of clout and work and pay probably doing TV shows. But yeah, he did. But the movie he did after this was The Sentinel, that weird Michael Douglas movie that was oh. like in 2004 or five. And uh, yeah, he. I think he's also like an actor too. And I think he's done more acting than he has okay. directing. But he does a lot of TV show directing. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, FX was showing this forever. I don't think I've ever seen it on Netflix or Hulu. No, the weird straight-to-DVD ones have been on Netflix, I know. No. But this one, if it was, I probably would have watched it. Because <laughs> I'm like you. I'm kind of like, yeah, that movie's cool. <laughs> and know, I love how, like, Jeremy Renner's name is, like, Gamble. <laughs> yeah. And he's got, like, doesn't he have, like, a tattoo of, like, a spade or something yeah. on his arm? Or, a, like, a card? Yeah. Uh, it was the Ace of Spades or something like that. But it's kind of one of those where, like, they're learning how to be a SWAT team. So, like, part of the movie's training. And then it's, like, this $100 million. This one rich <laughs> bad guy gets caught, and he says, if anybody saves me, I'll pay them this $100 million. And so it's, like, all these different bad guys are basically in the SWAT. And so it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of a ridiculous plot. Yeah, but there's it's some, fun. There's some great action set pieces yeah, yeah, in it's here. fun. It's fun. I mean, it's not like, I don't know, like a made-for-TV movie where, you know, there's, like, cops shooting and then, like, you see people fall and there's no blood. It's it's pretty action-packed. Yeah, like, like what's weird is, like, you know, there was, a few years after this, there was that movie with Chris Pine and Denzel directed by Tony Scott called Unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that was more of a TV movie where this was more action packed than a Tony Scott Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is more action packed than Man on Fire or Unstoppable. Like Unstoppable was supposed <laughs> yeah. to be like this big like train on the run like runaway train type movie. Yeah, and so it is kind of it's kind of like Thirteenth Warrior where it's like it's weirdly watchable, you know, just in like uh, I'm gonna keep watching this. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I. It's been called sexist, racist. I mean, I remember this is about that time. So why, though? Like, half because of how the black people and the women act? Or apparently they're stereotypes or something. I don't, like I said, I don't understand. And it's definitely a movie that um, probably wasn't well-liked on the East or West Coast because of basically each character's in love with the guns. Now I feel like I need to go on a long walk and try to figure out if I'm a racist and a sexist because <laughs> I guess I didn't didn't think about how this movie is. No, you're you're fine, Stephen. Come on. <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, I'm a little concerned. No, I'm just oh man, yeah, SWAT. That's definitely one to check out. Like even though it's not great, it's just like <laughs> it's just kind of funny even to see like the Fast and Furious Michelle Rodriguez in this. Samuel Jackson before Nick Fury, Colin Farrell before he was kind of like not in movies for a while and then kind of came back again, and then Jeremy Renner when he was like scrawnier. He's like scrawny in this movie compared to how he is now as Hawkeye. And he's like one of the shortest actors in the whole movie. Yeah, he's like so tiny. (laughs) It's like Michelle Rodriguez could like step on him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's another, another good one. And so, you know... We we're never gonna say these movies are like deserve Oscars or whatever, but these are just movies that I think in some cases, like you know, I I can understand why some people don't like them, but I feel like some of these movies just don't people don't give a chance because everybody goes it's terrible. Like here, I'm thinking like I I'm I haven't watched King Arthur, 
But Dakota is like starting to convince me that maybe I should give it a shot. And so here I'm even in this boat, you know, of, of being, being that, you know, where it's like, maybe I should give it a shot. Maybe it is better than, even though a lot of people hated it. And so that's what we're saying with these movies is like, Hey, you know, just cause the masses didn't, didn't give it a whole lot of love. Doesn't mean you may not like it. And so that's kind of what we're getting out with this. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to kind of bring it to a close before we get too long here. Um, unless you like long episodes and that's where I'll just segue into, um, let us know what you think about any of the ways we do our episodes or what we do in the episodes. You can do that on Facebook and Twitter. Um, leave comments on YouTube. Uh, with that being said, we hope you do subscribe to us on, on, uh, YouTube or iTunes or one of those places. And, um, as I mentioned before, you can even listen to us through, um, your Amazon echo using the AnyPod skill or Stitcher or one of those things on there. Tell Alexa to play us, and we'll pop up, and you can listen to us while you're doing dishes or something, because I find we're very soothing to listen to while you're doing dishes, and make that time just fly on by, because I, when we're doing these episodes, time just flies. So That's, that's what, true. That's what we want to help you do, is just kind of get through those bummer times when you're riding in the car, or doing dishes, or any of those things. So, uh, we just thank you for listening. And we'll bring you to a close. So this is Steven. This is Dakota. Catch you later.